0: Welcome back to Sports Intoxication, the podcast you've waited your entire life for. We haven't done that one in a while. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm joined tonight by, and and making his triumphant return to the realm of the intoxicated, Matt Bessler. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Nice to be back. It's good. It's good to have you back.
1: We're not anywhere near intoxication right now, but we are drinking a beer, so it's an alcoholic, an alcoholic
0: beer, nonetheless. (laughs) That's a good start. And as you are the only person that's on right now with us, that leads me to my first question, which is, so you started drinking again this week, and then Chase is clearly dodging you on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, he knows what's up. I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty black and white to me, um, that he can't handle the intense debates that come when you have a couple, couple beers. I think he was
1: just so spooked by my sober Reds knowledge last week that he, <laughs> you know, just unlocking, unlocking be- the minds tonight throwing the alcohol in.
0: That could be it too. We'll see how accurate your tips yeah. are when they're clouded by a little, a little alcohol. Um, so, moving on from that, we uh, we finally got the return of Xavier basketball, albeit very, very brief. But it was great to to have them back for um forty yeah. minutes of basketball on Saturday night and a nice win against Butler, which is always fun to win, at Hinkle, and then immediately another pause with last night's game against DePaul and Sunday's game against Villanova being canceled. And that's all we know right now. Um, Before we get into the the gloom and doom, which I don't even know if there's that much to talk about about the gloom and doom, because I don't know I don't know what's going to happen. But let's talk about the win at Butler. Uh, Really impressive performance from the backcourt. Yeah, I mean, from what I saw
1: of the game, which uh, unfortunately wasn't all of it, but uh, the moments I did see, um, X just really dominated um, the game. And I, I did conveniently miss the first, basically, 15 minutes of the second half, so I missed the part of the game where Butler went on their run. Um, but what I did see was was really solid, um, really impressive coming off a, of, what, three-week shutdown, or layoff, not shutdown. Um, Paul Scruggs was amazing, and it's it was nice to see him kind of get back to the form he had at the beginning of the year. Cause there were a few games there. Um, I guess the last time Xavier played, he had been struggling a little bit. And, um, so it was nice to see him get back on track and, um, no, that was good. And I, I'm just really, the more I watch him play, I'm really excited about the prospect of having Adam Kunkel for the next two years. Um, i think this is just a bonus year but he is he's fun to watch um he kind of fits i don't think he's as good or as you know uh, or you will be as hated of a player but he, he kind of reminds me of jp a little bit um he can fill it up when he's on he does just enough kind of defensively um and I really like how he can create his own shot. And uh, I'm excited to watch him kind of continue to develop. Um, so those were two of the, absolutely, the main things that I liked about that game.
0: Absolutely. I think that uh, Kunkel, not as, not as tall or probably not as athletic as JP. JP had a couple um, highlight reel dunks during his time at Xavier. One being the one that we all remember – at the end of Butler, um, and then the Seton Hall yeah. putback um, that was pretty epic. But um, that you mentioning Scruggs getting back to form kind of triggers a question for me that we've had three Xavier players hit a game winner this year with Colby Jones, Kunkel and Dwan Odom very, very early in the year. And I'm wondering if during that few-game stretch where Scruggs was kind of just, I don't know, like, Scruggs tends to float sometimes. He doesn't have bad, bad games as a – well, he hasn't as a senior. But he just isn't assertive. He doesn't demand the ball. He doesn't play his game where he likes to get in the lane and be a little bit crafty and shoot that turnaround jumper. Um, and when he's not doing that, then he's not putting up points, and he's also not creating shots and making his teammates better. And I wonder if part of that is that the thing with this team is you don't know who's going right. to get you. Yeah, I mean,
1: that's, <laughs> that's really um... – Really well said. And it's, they've ha- they have so many weapons um, offensively, and it's, it's a nice problem to have. Um, but I'd still think at the end of, you know, as the season gets into crunch time whenever they do step on the court again, um, and when you get into tournament time, I would have to assume we all would, as- would expect that he will be the guy that has the ball at the end of any, any game. Um, and he's probably the guy you want. Has, to have and
0: the ball. and has uh, and has the chance mm-hmm. to make a play because the the shot that Colby Jones that was drawn up for Kunkel, yeah. but then he knew he could kick it to Scruggs, and then Scruggs made a hell of a play to pass it to Jones, knowing yeah. there was enough time left for all that to happen. Um, which is a good point. I think that when you said Buna, who will have the ball in his hands, my first thought was. And you said it's a good problem to have, which it is. Um, My first thought was it's also a good problem to have, you know, Michael Jordan, who you know that the ball was going to be in his hands. But then I immediately thought to correct myself that John Paxton and Steve Kerr hit huge shots for the Bulls in the finals too. So um, it's a good – it's a well put. It's a good problem to have, to have options, to have guys that can – and especially based on the last two years of what we watched – it's, it's pretty awesome to have guys that yeah, can hit shots. I mean, the, difference it is, the, the difference you have when you can make threes
1: is, is amazing. Uh, I mean, we haven't had that the last couple of years. Prior to that, Xavier fans were spoiled. Um, and it's nice to kind of get back to a team that can, you know, hit 10 threes in a night, and it's not out of the realm of possibility for that to happen on any given night. So, um you gotta like
0: yeah. and or or nineteen yeah. threes. Um and and that win, as we talked about a little bit last week, keeps looking better. Oklahoma came up just short against um Texas Tech earlier this week, but I think Oklahoma was missing uh a mm-hmm. player or two in that game. So um but so that's great for X's resume. Moving forward with X, I think that um, I saw in the Musketeer report that Rick had made some comments, friend of the podcast, alumni of the podcast, as Brian would say. Um, Rick made some comments earlier that he wasn't sure if all these conferences were going to have conference tournaments because he had coaches whispering to him that they didn't feel that confident about it and then this week he kind of pulled a 180 on that and said there's too much money involved. It seems like the conferences, at least the big ones, are going to do everything in their power to hold conference tournaments. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll, which it's definitely
1: at this point the way all signs are pointing to that, right? Um, But I guess that's all. Anything can change right now, I guess.
0: Well, and that's kind of been the – I hate to say this. It's kind of been the frustrating part about Xavier's uh, pauses is that it's been one guy here, one guy there. To my knowledge, right now in the program, Juan Odom and Colby Jones are the only guys who it's been widely – it's not even widely reported, it's speculated. that yeah. have yep. tested positive. And so you would almost feel better with all the time that they've had off if you had sure. eight or nine guys that had got it, and then you feel better about everything going forward. Because like we talked about last week, who knows what's going to happen in the unstable tournament. You're going to have to be disqualified. I don't know if yeah, I, I would, I
1: think it. you're right there. Um, that's why it's still, it's hard to get too excited about the prospects of where this season can go. Because, um, yeah, I mean you got excited for one game that they're back and then what was that Sunday afternoon, I think, or Monday morning, you know, not even 48 hours later they're off again for God knows how long. So, you know, and it is, I think one or two guys again, and who knows maybe in two weeks I get another one or two guys and you're shut down for another two weeks. And it's, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I just, you don't feel great about, the prospects going forward. If you're as a Euro fan, I don't think just then you could just cause you have no idea how the, how the virus will react or where you get it or anything like that. So, you
0: know, just, well, and you kind of mentioned this last week, um, as far as the poor job of some conferences, all conferences, um, Whatever of trying to navigate the the shutdowns, and then once you're eligible to play again, you're still waiting. And like, would it be possible to just call Georgetown and say, "Hey, you guys want to?" And I don't see a scenario where any of these games are really made up. I mean, maybe one or two. Yeah, I mean, at some point
1: you just run out of time, too. I mean, but they're four and two. They've
0: had five
1: games six games postponed so i mean yeah i think one probably two is best case scenario where you get them uh, made up and then the other thing and you know I, I know the guys on the musketeer report have talked about it and it's kind of comes down to who you're playing too right i mean do you want to not necessarily i don't i don't know how it all works but There's been speculation out there that teams have kind of rigged or, you know, um, not wanted to play some games for in situations where they could have. And. um, Yeah, it's interesting, like. When you look at who who Xavier has left on their schedule, I mean, what what good does a game against the ball really do you at this point? I mean, it only does negative things
0: for you from that perspective. Um, sure. But what it's kind of, there's two sides to that coin too. Cause if you're, if you're Xavier and you call Georgetown and say, Hey, do you want to, we both have Saturday off. Do you want to get together? And Georgetown's like, well, we don't really want to take another loss. Um, and um you know like like it takes two to tango like
1: yeah and seven. i think that's kind of transitions i think into where i think we probably would have gotten to eventually anyway which is kind of talking about xavier and their nca tournament prospects which i think is a interesting discussion to have right now um you know, considering probably realistic best case scenarios they are going to be shut down for two weeks. Um, so that puts you back, what, mid-February, like February 15th-ish, something like that. So that's a month before Selection Sunday. And odds are they're probably going to have another shutdown, just kind of with how the season is going, right? Um, and so you're 11-2 and two now. You've met the requirement for the 13 games that the NCAA put out that said, hey, you have to be 13 games to be eligible for the tournament. But, you know, if you say you get the 15 games or 16 games and other teams are playing 26, 27 games, 24 games, um, obviously those teams probably have more losses. But, you know, finishes the year at 13 and Four or whatever, and say those other games are against, you know, their wins are against Butler and, I don't know, Georgetown, and their losses come to Villanova and Creighton or something like that, right? And it's just kind of, all right, What what's really there in terms of making this team an NCAA tournament? And I think they would still get in in that scenario, but I don't think necessarily their seed would be, um, where we would all expect it to be in a, in a given year, if that makes sense. Um, so I, I feel yeah. confident no, I, that they'll totally. get into the tournament. But I do agree kind of with the logic that, you know, Brian Snow on the message board has kind of laid out, where it's like you can't really feel too comfortable at 16, 17 games when other teams are playing 24, 25, and they've racked up, X number of quadrant one or quadrant two wins versus what the four at mat- at most, maybe that's everyone would have. So um, it'll be really interesting to kind of watch it play out.
0: But. Well, what if your guy uh, Dabo Sweeney is on the NCAA yeah. tournament committee this year? We know how he feels about not playing as many yeah, games that's as true. your opponents.
1: That is very true. I don't think she will be. Probably got the year off. But, But yeah, I mean, it's – it'll be (laughs) fascinating to watch. Like I said earlier, I'm not – I've kind of said it all year long. I mean, I'm excited to watch Xavier play when they play. But this year has just felt so different. It's just not – I just – I don't have a lot of – excitement, I guess, right now for kind of how the prospect of the year is going just because there's just no flow to it, right? There's no game for one game. It's going to be one yeah. game in 45 days, essentially. Stuff you get excited for, and then and then you think, like, like, just keep going back to, I mean, something is going to happen I think, again, where they're going to get shut down again. It's just kind of how everything is playing out, right? I mean, with everything, with everything that we're hearing of well, when it's one you, or two guys I and mean, your, your main guys haven't even tested. Got it. Yet.
0: Sure. So. But the thing that I, and this is not a knock, I don't know anything, um, as is usually the case when I say things on this podcast, but um, when some teams are, are playing 25, 30 games, Maybe not thirty, but twenty five, twenty seven games, twenty three, twenty seven games. Here. And okay, so if some teams are playing twenty three, twenty six games, or whatever, and say X plays sixteen, I know that there are Big East protocols in here that are making life a little bit tougher. But is there anything on X's part where Maybe people are intermingling with too many people. I don't know. I'm just speculating because like you said, you're expecting it to happen again. And then as a fan, you do feel kind of snake bit because you have three pauses. Yeah. That's six weeks of your season that you know yeah, that's I, sure. a, a huge I,
1: portion. I, I I mean, again, I don't know much. Right, but I have a I have a hard time casting a lot of blame, any blame really on the players. Like, you know, you can't reasonably, and you just can't reasonably expect these young adults to stay cooped up in the rooms. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, we as fans want them to do that. Right. but, it's just not, it's not right. a reasonable request um, to not, and, and you still have to go well, to class. And, I mean, Xavier's still doing in-person classes. Now, I don't know how many of the kids actually you know, have in-person classes or anything like that. A lot of stuff you can do online, right. but um, we're talking way outside of our depth of knowledge here. So I just, I have a hard time casting a lot of blame on Xavier or the protocols in place. I mean, it sure worked really well for what the first three weeks, and they didn't have any positive case. I mean, from what all we know, it worked. Their protocols worked pretty well from the time pandemic started to I guess, December,
0: right? Yeah. Like, well, and Snow mentioned. Snow mentioned that they were they were a little worried about the fact of just that that. No one in the program before test before the season started had really sure. tested positive. And so that there weren't antibodies or anything. I and and the only reason I bring that up, it's not in any way to cast dispersion or doubt. Um, but the reason I bring it up is because I do feel like with the the Reds and Bengals seasons, which the Reds for the most part, the season was miserable until the very end. And the Bengals season was miserable throughout, with the exception of, you know watching Joe Burrow for a few games before he damn near lost his leg. Um, they, both those teams were pretty yep. unscathed through um, and I know it's, there's a huge difference between professional athletes and collegiate athletes, but I would also say that both those teams being unscathed was somewhat of um, it wasn't unheard of, but, you know, there were big yep. problems with the Ravens. There were big problems with the Titans. There was a big problem with the Cardinals. There was a huge problem with the Marlins. So, like, there were examples where teams were just getting it rampantly. And, that, and again, that brings me back to the frustration of almost the fact, the frustration that Xavier isn't getting it rampantly, that it's one guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I
1: mean, I think that probably just speaks more to how much the players for the Bengals and Reds respect their um, coaches, you know, the David Bells and the Zach Taylors of the world. They just want to play so badly for those guys that, uh, you know. There's Brian office. when I need him. He would jump all over that one. Um, well, I mean, that's it, a fair question. I just, you know, you just don't know how this thing really works since – it's it's a shame I mean it sucks, but you'd you'd rather have everyone get it at the same time, but that's just not the I don't know maybe all the players can just go hang out in the covid guys' room and get it all this week and be back to play a couple weeks,
0: yeah, I mean it's like the the uh yeah the chicken get box it. back in the day, like your parents would be like. You know, yeah, the thing, that, like, the uh, thing that's crazy, I was reading so, order,
1: or somewhere today, it doesn't seem like the NCA is putting in any sort of protocols, at least yet, um, for the NCAA tournament. It sounds like they're just like, hey, if you don't have the players, you're just you're not playing, essentially, which is just kind of right. crazy to me. Right. I mean, you kind of have to uh, – got to keep the schedule, I guess, but, um, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um, before we move on another clunker of a game for Zach Fremantle, my guy, Zach Fremantle. Um, and I'm wondering if they're I'm wondering what the fix is. Um, And I know that we're not going to come up with the fix, but we're also fans. So we like to act like we know what the fix is. Um, So any thoughts on, I mean, like as far as a toughness thing and, you know, him getting dominated on defense and him playing a little bit shy on defense because you don't want him to pick up fouls on the defensive end because he's so valuable on the offensive end. Um, I mean, you can only say that when he's valuable on the offensive end. He, it'd be nice to see him get back on track. And, um, I don't know if it's playing him at the four. I don't know if it's spelling him a little more often. Um, with Brian Griffin, Deontay miles, uh, Any thoughts on that? I mean, it's kind
1: of – it's weird because, I mean, he started off the year great, right? I mean, he was really good the first seven, eight games. And it seemed to me like, you know, I vividly remember that Seton Hall game at Centa Center where – I think it was our first or second Big East game. I don't remember. Um, It was early on. But, I mean, he just looked completely mismatched against – the bigs that Seton Hall put out there. Now, Grant, Seton Hall has, you know, athletic, big, very skilled guys um, that are difficult matchup. Yeah. Big bigs. He, in my opinion, um, is not – I don't think he's shown that he's tough enough, like mentally – to play in those games. To me, it just seems like he gets down on himself, um, which, you know, is fine. Like not fine, but kind of understandable when you're getting dominated no. like that. I think that's fair. Um, and it's from what I remember, uh, and I could be wrong, but it, he seemed to have similar struggles last year in the big East too, um, where just kind of got out tough, out physical, at least a, some of the matchups. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been the same offensively A sh- shot looks off. He hasn't made, you know, the threes that he was making at the beginning of the year. Um, so I don't know if it's just, I
0: feel yeah, like he has made something just needs to click. And, but they also and they haven't played in a while, but. Yeah, they only play once in the last game. Hopefully it's just something that needs to click
1: and he'll he'll bounce back and be good to go. Um, But it is concerning, I think, because he's going to be your centerpiece for the next few years and you need him to be able to play in these conference teams. I think when you run up against the more athletic bigs and – Like Saturday, Butler I don't think necessarily meets that description by any means, and he still wasn't himself. Um, So I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I think, you know, hopefully just keep playing and hopefully it clicks for him, I think. Maybe is the answer. I don't know. But it's concerning because he's not been good and not been as good as he can be, and I don't think – you know he's such a difference maker when he's on the floor and playing well, offensively because he can't step out and shoot the three. And Brian Griffin is great at what he does, but he doesn't give you that. Deontay Miles could be good, I guess, but he doesn't have a jump shot that we know of. So, and they lost their other big and Ben Stanley. So, you need Freeman to be out there and doing what he does well. But at the same time, you look at that game on Saturday. I mean, he played what thirty-five minutes, and they dominated the game for the most part. So, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think playing him less is the answer. Um, I don't know. You just, I think you run into a tricky spot there if you yeah. bench him for four minutes, and you know, maybe Butler goes on a run in that game and longer run or. Whatever it may be, and they still and they don't get the lead back, you know. Like he, he was one of the reasons they won the game. I mean, he was good enough on defense, I think, uh, in the game. So,
0: yeah. And you mentioned Butler's bigs. I don't. I mean, I don't think that there's a ton of bigs in the Big East this year. That I mean, when when you when I think of the 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 good big guys in the big east Nate Watson from Providence um the two guys from Mamu uh, College Veely and I just know the you got it Mamu College and I don't know I don't know that guy's name Romero I don't know they have another they have another big and then and then um you have some more athletic shooting type guys, bigs with uh yeah. with Villanova. And so and that's always been the case with them. So those are really and you've already played Providence in Seton Hall, so maybe he can get it going against some of the other teams if they play. Uh so remains to be seen. But I totally agree with you. He need it, it'd be nice for him to get it going because um, they'll need him to compete with the teams I mentioned, with Seton Hall, with yeah, going to need him for
1: the Great. Big East tournament, yeah. and the NCAA tournament, and if you they get there. So.
0: Yeah, UConn's got a big guy too. Which yeah. We haven't seen UConn yet, so um, but UConn always has a big guy. Um so moving on um I figured we would talk a little bit more in depth about the Bengals um being the off season which is basically the best time to be a Bengals fan because you can think about what might happen and how they might get better and how they might be good and then the season comes and
1: mm-hmm. usually
0: uh, none of that that happens, but, um, what I wanted to do was kind of steal a, um, an exercise from, well, a lot of people have done it, but the athletic, the athletic Paul and Jay have done this a little bit. Um, and we won't go position group by position group and talk about who should be back and, um, but we could do that. We could save that for a week or two, but I was going to say we should name five offensive centerpieces or pieces in place um, and five defensive pieces in place on the roster. Um, And then maybe throw in a guy or two. That's like a question mark as far as being – maybe it could be a free agent and whether they come back, maybe it could be a guy that is on the come and stands to improve or somebody else is leaving and maybe they can play a more significant role. Um, But I'm kind of springing this on you. So I will happily go first because I already wrote some stuff down. Um, I kind of thought of this right before we jumped on here, but before we do that, what since your yeah. turn to well, drinking?
1: Well, I started with a uh, Sam Adams drinking?
0: Cold Snap. Um, had a couple of
1: those left over that friend of the podcast, Scott's Pensacola, dropped off a couple weeks ago. Um, couldn't finish his six pack while he was over here, so um, and now we switched over. No, I'm not alumni. Not alumni. Now uh, we've uh, switched over to Elijah Craig Rye. <laughs> it's good stuff. Good bottle.
0: Oh,
1: yeah, good bottle.
0: Drinking the drinking the same thing. I, I just, tried. Um, this one off. Uh,
1: Larson, um, I, I told you I got this, the party store, store pick that Larceny bourbon. I never had it before. But I tried yeah. it last night. Well, that's not bad for. The price on the bottle, I mean, it was okay. Have you had it 25 bucks? I mean, it was How much for, for, it? for a store pick, is no okay, not bad. But I got that Willet for your ride. I'm gonna maybe crack open for the Super Bowl on Sunday.
0: Nice, uh, I think it's 92.
1: No, it's not barrel proof, it's just uh.
0: Oh, it's just okay.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Starting off with that Knob Creek uh, on Tuesday, my first day back was cool. Um, well, oh boy, that was that was aggressive. <laughs> I'm really not
0: idea. a Knob Creek guy. And I think there's something it's about it. Bad. I don't know what it
1: is, but uh, I, I saw it. I picked it up. And um, yeah, I mean, it was the first day I had bourbon in 31 days. And yeah, I I didn't wake up for my seven a.m. run like I normally do, so
0: <laughs> it, it burned a little. Um, the problem with those bourbons, and I'm not knocking Knob Creek. I know a lot of people really. That, I know a lot of people that really enjoy it, but um, well, one, Knob Creek is 120 proof, and two, it's also high rise, so it's like spiced on top of heat. But what I was going to say is the problem with those bourbons that are high proof and then you drink one or one and a half to get through the high proof and spice but then they start to yeah. taste good well leads I mean, to a d- you do the math you have 3 and then you don't wake up through the dangerous situation very home. quickly <laughs> yeah exactly when if you have 3 or something else your 7 a.m. No. run is
1: never no. in question. No. So we're doing five. Well, what are you? You got the Elijah Craig, right? Yeah, I uh, Elijah Craig, right? Which I
0: just. I was going to say, did, you, did you, brought, how, how the. Uh, um,
1: off topic here, but what did. You know, you're down um, in the. Uh, you relocated for the winter. So, um, you know, did you. I assume you, <laughs> you took your some of your own private collection down there to the Deep South.
0: Did I did and it's unfortunate. There's some really good bourbon hunting in the state of Georgia. I've been told, but as we drove, right. we drove yeah. to time out the longest stretches for the baby to sleep. So yeah. basically you, we drove. And, and you can't just stop even when they're awake. and Like hey,
1: real quick, I'm going to run in here. That's just that's a problem in and of itself. So I want to get. In there. <laughs> Right. Uh, oh, is there anything good down in Florida? But, like, you know, bourbon hunting wise?
0: I haven't. But Ave I haven't Maria really town has a nice liquor uh, store you could have stopped
1: them. Yeah. I was Catholic.
0: Right. <laughs> um, right. They, they, get, they get the good stuff. Um. I brought this Elijah Craig Rye which I just finished. Um, I brought a Blanton's, which is almost gone. I brought a Weller Full Proof, which was already open, but just one or two drinks out of it. Um, And that's pretty low. And then I brought a Maker's RC6 that I bought last year when I was down here. Um, And I'm a big fan of the Maker's RC6. I was like, oh, that'll be perfect to bring it back to it's state where i got it from um my my problem down here is when i go to the beach or go to the pool i take one of those like turrets nice yeah like but you can't see what's in it so you pour something in it and i usually pour a lot because i don't want to run out and then um you just sip on it at the beach or at the pool and the ne- next thing you know it's empty and then you're like well, I bet I had six or eight ounces in there. <laughs> Maybe ten. So uh, that's Still the story of how Pratt. I got drunk on the beach doing. last Saturday. Betty exactly. It's always hashtag Betty Prep. Um, so, but with this extended week then I may be in dire straits where I Yeah. Have to go grab something. Um so I'm gonna you start got offense or defense first. With uh Oh man. All right. I'll go defense first. All right, that's because fine. Because I you can I have a couple question marks on defense, that's why. Um, but my five core bangles on defense are in no particular order. Sam Hubbard, Jesse Bates, DJ Reader, Logan Wilson, and Trey Wayne. Can you run run through those again? Um, Okay. Sam Hubbard, Jesse Bates, DJ Reader, Logan Wilson, and Trey Wayne. The funny thing about the Bengals, as we know, coming off of what they four and
1: something and one,
0: um, is, yeah, uh, is there's not a ton of – there's obviously not a ton of great pieces, but some of your pieces or some of my pieces um, on defense and offense are pieces because – they have to become pieces or are pieces because they are paid a lot of money and they're going to be here. And so they have to become pieces. So as I go through the list, I look at Sam Hubbard. He was, had a not so healthy year last year. Um, And I think that he's really effective stopping the run. I think he offers some, quarterback pressure when he's healthy and he has some help on the line. Um, and I think he's a guy that you'll probably see get a contract extension this off season. He's a Cincinnati guy and blah, 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 blah. Not that that matters. Um, but I think he's, I think he's really respected on the team and, um, I think he'll be here for a while. Jesse Bates is one of the best safeties in the NFL. Um, if not the best. I think there's really not a lot else that needs to be said there other than let's get him a contract extension this offseason, and I think there's a chance he could be the highest paid safety in the NFL. He could set the the bar, the mark or the bar or whatever. Um, DJ Reader for me, yeah, I think he's the highest paid nose tackle. Um, and I think he was Having a, f- a fine year, a good year, up until the point where he got hurt, he's known more of as a run stopper and a guy that clogs up the middle. He also he he wasn't getting a bunch of sacks, but I think the biggest thing for the Bengals is they need somebody that can push the pocket because the the few times that the Bengals get pressure from the outside all the quarterback has to do is just step up into the pocket because there's no one there. And the frustrating thing about that is if it's Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson or anybody like that, they can step up in the pocket, survey the field and see if there's anybody wide open. And if there's not, then they can still take off and run because the lanes are so wide open. And I think that's where you really miss a guy like reader when he got hurt. Um, and obviously, he needs help. But um, I put Logan Wilson in there after his rookie campaign. And I think he showed a lot of flash, a lot of promise. And I think that if you can see a a jump from year one to year two, then you really got something with uh, Logan Wilson. And, and last year, when we yep. did this, I would have said the same thing about Jermaine Pratt, which – leads you to um to really needing it from Logan Wilson and then also needing it from Jermaine Pratt from year two to year three. Um and then lastly I had Trey Waynes, which it's a forty three or forty five million dollar signing last off season, fourteen or fifteen million dollar a year corner. Um he didn't play a snap and He just – look, here's the thing. If you had – on this year's defense, if you had Trey Waynes and William Jackson with Mackenzie Alexander in the slot and if people are missing a game, Darius Phillips steps in with a combination of Jesse Bates and Von Bell. Yeah. All of a sudden you have a pretty good secondary on paper. And the other guys that were stepping in – just weren't good. Sean Sims was terrible. Um, There's a list of names, and we don't need to go through them because they weren't good. But um, so if Trey Waynes can step in next year and be – he doesn't have to be, you know, Revis Island. He's just got to be a good starting corner and hopefully be healthy. And then I had two guys – that I put question marks on and really there could be a third. Um, But first Carl Lawson, because we don't know if he'll be back next year, but pressure on the quarterback is really the biggest problem for this defense. And if he's back, then he becomes a pretty big piece of this team. And then the other guy had a question mark on was Darius Phillips because you need three corners in the NFL, and Darius Phillips can play outside and he can play the slot, and I think that he, if, if William Jackson and Mackenzie Alexander, who are both free agents, don't come back, then you're relying on Darius Phillips to play a pretty important role, whether that's outside or in the slot. Depends on if they go the free agent route or they try to draft a corner in the first three rounds. I would hope that if they draft a corner, even in the third round, that they're not hoping that he's going to come in and start from day one. So those guys have entry, And you could also throw William Jackson in that same boat, except for me with a little less – Intrigue. Um, I think that William Jackson's a good corner, but I don't know if he thinks he's better than he is, or if he doesn't want to be in Cincinnati. I don't know what his situation is. I'm not trying to project anything, um, but for some reason, I just don't think he's going yes. back here. No, I mean
1: that's um, so interesting. So I just kind of. Threw these down quickly, and we obviously have a few of the same. Um, and I just, I guess, I'll put I have a couple that he mentioned there and the question marks on the guys that I would like to see back, um, and I include them in the five. So, obviously, Jesse Bates, it's automatic, you know, he touched on it. He's one of, if not the best safety, um, in the NFL. Um, I had DJ Reader down as well. And um, to get to my five, I, I think Sam Hubbard should be on there, but I'm not going to put him on there just as you put him on there. So um, I put Wilson and Gaither down together. Uh, now, Wilson, I think, had a yeah. markedly better year in terms of production or at least – you heard his name called Moore. Um, he was a more productive player, I think, in his rookie year. But if Gaither can take that step to being a solid linebacker in the league, I think Logan Wilson will be. So if you can check two of your linebacker positions off in one draft class like they did last year, I think that would be huge for the future of that defense. And I think Gaither could be good. Um, you know, obviously, time will tell. and But I, I put him down as kind of number five. Um, you know, if I was going in order, it'd be Bates, Reeder, Logan Wilson. So I put William Jackson down uh, in the four spot as someone I would like to see them come back or bring back if obviously he wants to sign here. Because I do think he is still good enough to be a valuable cornerback in the NFL. Um, you know, I know he struggles catching the ball um, when it's thrown directly to him. No problem, but um, I think he is—he has gotten better over the last couple of years, from what you know, I could my untrained defensive cornerback eyes tell me. Um, yeah. And he, you kind know, of pick six you have him and you have what? Yeah, Trey Waynes, right? Um, as your starting cornerbacks. Yeah. That's pretty solid. I mean, it's um, not necessarily a bad spot to be. And then you can kind of plug in holes elsewhere, so uh those are who i had for the five and then question marks really carl lawson probably would be the one um that you'd want to see I, mean, I think if you could re-sign lawson and jackson to and i don't know if that's even possible with what they need to do on an offensive line standpoint um you know i think that would, i think that would be a a, a good starting oh, I block think it is. um cuz like you said i mean they had so many key injuries this year that you didn't really get a true picture of what that defense potentially, I guess, could be. Um, you know, you're missing three starters for, what, 12 games almost. Um, and Reader, Alexander, or maybe just two, I guess. And then obviously, you know, the Dunlap thing and, Basically missing four because yeah Dunlap and uh, well, Trey, Gino didn't provide anything. So but, yeah, you, Trey. Wayne,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, so well, Trey Wayne's missed sixteen. So no, I I, I like the uh, Akeem Davis Kather because he's extremely athletic. I think probably more so than Logan Wilson, and I think that. Here's the thing that I think was so important about last year's draft when it came to linebackers. The Bengals took three linebackers in last year's draft because linebacker was such a problem for the past couple of years. And they also took Jermaine Pratt in the third round in the previous year's draft. Out of those four guys, and Marcus Bailey was a seventh-round pick for the Bengals last year out of Purdue, but yeah. a lot of people said he had a yeah. second-round tape because he had an injury. So he was considered certainly somebody that once he was healthy could be a contributor. Out of those four guys, you have to be able to find two very competent linebackers, and hopefully, yeah, yeah and the other one that can play. That
1: isn't going to be a game changer or um, move the needle or anything. But I think if you can bring him back for another year, would be only beneficial to those linebackers is Josh, Josh Pines. Cause he was yeah, good. I think he he, good one he was good. I was He's a veteran, um, provides cause... veteran leadership for a defense that really needs it. Uh, at the linebacker position. So I would absolutely be all about bringing him back for another year or two or whatever you need to, to bring him back here. Cause he, I think he was, pretty solid from a linebacker perspective.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And he stopped the run. He, he tackled like he was physical. He did right. what he was supposed to do. I don't think that they brought him in to be a three down guy. Uh, and and that's why they drafted Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis-Kafer because they're more athletic. Uh, so, yeah, I like it. I like your... uh. I like that we had a few that were different, and I like uh, I like your viewpoint. Unfortunately, we'll move to the offensive side of the ball. Here's where I think we're, yeah, stuff. we may run out of guys that are <laughs> uh, that are going to be different because um, we know the state of the offensive line, and that's five positions right there. So uh, I'll go first again. Just in case, just to give you some time if you need it. Yeah. But um, obviously, Joe Burrow, um, Tyler Boyd, one of, if not, the best slot receiver in the NFL, and he's he's not the typical. I don't know. I say typical slot receiver. He's great sometimes I think of slot receivers and I think of shifty, the kind of jitter bug thing, guys that you get the ball in space and they make people miss. But what Boyd does is he gets open underneath. He makes tough catches. He moves the chains. Yep. He does everything that Joe Burrow needs in the middle of the field. Um, and that's huge. Then I'm going to go T Higgins. Obvious reasons. Uh, was on pace to have a thousand yard season or very close to it before he got hurt in the last couple games. Um, and he's going to be one of your outside receivers for the next four years. Well, he's a second round pick. So the next three years he's under contract um, and hopefully longer than that. And I think that this is an obvious statement, but everything that you do to surround Joe Burrow with talent is really the most important thing that you can do yep. for him while he's young and when he signs his second contract with the Bengals, hopefully. Um, So, big, big future for T. Higgins, I think. And next, I'll go Joe Mixon. Uh, he signed a big deal this offseason. And it's kind of a like it or not thing. Like um, I'm a Joe Mixon guy. I like him. I don't know if it's the greatest idea to give a running back a second contract. And I'm sure that I could go back and on this podcast and hear myself say that they had to sign Mixon. Um, And I think, again, that doesn't mean that I think it's a wrong move now. I just, I need to see it all work together with an offensive line and with Joe Burrow. Because we didn't see that this year, unfortunately, because Joe got hurt. Joe Mixon, that is. uh, And because the offensive line was terrible. You know, Mixon really only had one game where he dominated this year, and that was against Jacksonville. And that's not Joe Mixon's fault. I think the playing behind that line. And then also – you know, they got pass that because they were down so much. And you see a lot of situations where Gio's on the field. Um, so, and then lastly, and I think this one's probably, it's a question mark slash core player, but Jonah Williams has to be a, and I'm not even going to say he has to be a left tackle. Like if they sign a left tackle, which we'll see or if they draft a tackle in the first round this year, whether it's at five or they trade down, and they think that that guy is a better player, I don't care. I don't care where they play. I don't care if they sign. Actually, here, I'll go even further. I don't care if they sign an offensive tackle and draft an offensive tackle at five, say, Penny Sewell, and then Joe Burrow kicks inside and all of a sudden guard is fixed. But Joe, what? but Jonah Williams needs to be a solution to yeah. this offensive no, line. Agree wherever they line him up. So, and then I have no, yeah. I have no question marks on the offensive line, because or on the offense, because it's kind of like yeah, it, no, I, I agree. So I mean,
1: if you're or it needs to be fixed for so if mine, I obviously Burrow, Higgins, Boyd. Um, no brainers for me. Um, Mixon, I didn't have him on my. I had Burrow, Higgins, Boyd, Jenna Williams, and then this last one. I, I put Kirk Hopkins down. Um, I know he's I know he's older, but um, yeah, I think he's done a very good job at center um, when he's been in there. Um, and they have struggled to have a competent center for the last couple of years. So, um, you know, if he can get back healthy um, and Gen Williams can make that leap that you kind of talked about, then I think you have two of the five offensive line positions in a good spot. And I think really you could argue, you know, Quentin Spain did a fine job when he was playing the last, you know, whatever that was, eight weeks of the season. Um, and that frees you up to go out and either sign or draft the offensive lineman like you talked about. So those would be the five that I had. Um, question marks again, not really anything there. Um, You know, I guess maybe if you're not going to draft it, you could maybe put a question mark around a guy like CJ Uzama being a versatile tight end weapon who also helps you blocking in the run game for Joe Mixon. Um,
0: I think tight end, that's great you mentioned that. I was thinking kind of the same thing as far as tight end in general is a question mark. And the question mark not only revolves around the players, but around the coaches. Like, how do you want to use the position? Um, Because I hate to bring it up, but you used a second-round pick two years ago on Drew Sample. And I'm not saying Drew Sample isn't an NFL player or (laughs) – exactly. But um, if you're going to use a second-round pick on a guy, that guy needs to start, and that guy needs to be pretty good. And Ozama seems like he's the guy at tight end, and so I don't think you take second-round picks for depth pieces. Um, And Ozama's coming off an Achilles injury next year too, so um, that's a question mark too as far as how he can come back, how healthy he can come back. Um yeah all remains to be seen. So that's a good one. I, and I think that um, the the other potential question mark is either a combination of Quentin Spain and Xavier Sufilo or that other spot. Yeah. I always get worried when the Bengals think they have the right guys. When, um, and I, I thought Quentin Spain did a good job, but what I'm worried is the Bengals think that Quentin Spain and Suofilo is this is the key is the problem solver, and I don't. I'm no, not. Yeah, I agree completely.
1: Um, so, got a lot, of, a lot of options, a lot, a lot of ways to fix the roster.
0: I'm surprised you didn't. Well, we haven't brought it up, but I would think you would say that Clark Harris and um, oh, trust me, if we were doing um, special teams, they would be uh, uh, key pieces. Yeah, they'd be right there. No, no, just those two. Not Fat Randy Bulk. I think. I think as exciting as this sounds, I don't want to get everybody's hopes up listening out there in Bengal land, but I think we could see a kicker drafted in the seventh round or maybe free agent, um, college free agent. That is, we could have a a new kicker. One could to, hope to Need on new, new material. Year. <laughs> Austin Seward didn't no, exactly no, give you total, cool. total confidence. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, obviously a lot of a lot of ways
1: the off season can go and like you said it's one of the more fun parts of being a Bengals fan, so it'll be interesting to see what they do.
0: For sure. Well, that brings us to the Super Bowl, which we were hoping we would hear from Brian by this point, but at this point it's clear yeah, no, I mean this is he's just straight up dodging. Yeah, I agree.
1: You see one tonight, by the way. First basketball game in thirty days uh, and they they won. They beat the ball at Temple
0: Wilds. Big win. I saw that. Um Yeah. yeah. Which it beats Temple Isles the week that John Chaney, Chaney dies. Like, what a dick! Right, right. Just you are not going, your season's not going anywhere.
1: Just it's John Brandon lay down. teaching them over there.
0: Do the right, do the right thing. Yeah, uh, that, I mean that's another topic for another day. Just start talking about the whole disrespect yeah. of the UC program to the Temple program. But, so we have um, this cumulative bet that has started with the beginning of the NFL playoffs. And the current score is Sox 15, Chase 14, Matt 12. Um, On last week's podcast, I said I was considerably more drunk, apparently, because I said Sox 15, Chase 15, and Matt 12 and then you guys corrected me and I was like yeah that's what I said but it's not what I said after I checked the tape I I said it wrong uh which that's right. is which what's nice about this podcast is check the tape we have record um so for this week we don't have Brian's picks yet cool. um but we have Chiefs, minus three and a half. And then, as we have throughout the playoffs, we're going to pick a winner and then against the spread. So that's two points out there. Then we have an over-under of 56 and a half for the game. An over-under of 27 and a half for the first half. And an MVP which is a two-pointer, which is huge. Um, So, and we we threw in a couple extra so that we could keep things spicy. So, I'll go first. I'm in the lead. I'm going to go winner, Chiefs, spread, Chiefs. I have I have um I have a final of thirty five to thirty one which would be be over and then I kinda think it's gonna be fourteen to thirteen and a half, no I'll give seventeen yep. fourteen at half. So that'll be the over. <laughs> I have a feeling I'm gonna regret that. Changing wish being wishy washy on that. Um uh, and then with the Chiefs winning, scoring thirty-five, my MVP has All to right. be Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Although I will say the I'll say I'll say a couple things. One, i have picked twice against the goat, and yeah, that's the reason true. why it's 15 to 14 to 12, and not a little bit bigger lead. Um, and in my mind, there's no doubt that the defense that can actually make a difference in this game is the Tampa Bay defense, but. I don't trust anyone enough to stop Patrick Mahomes, and I saw what Mahomes and Tyreek Hill did to Tampa Bay during the regular season, which not that means that much, but um, I think that the I don't think the Kansas City defense has the potential to do what the Tampa Bay defense can with with uh, I mean a lot of guys the Levante David Devin White especially um, the edge rusher, Shaq Barrett. They have like a sneaky good defense. But I think they're going to get some points scored on them by Patrick Mums because everybody does. I'm sorry. It's the only way it's clear. Okay. So we have Brian's picks. All right. Via yeah. So Brian's going Texas. with the Chiefs. So 38-27.
1: He's got the over of the first half. And he has Tyreek Hill winning most valuable player. You guys are in lockstep there with your picks other than MVP. So he's just banking on the MVP uh, to overtake you. Um
0: Which, um, if Brian were, Brian had the balls to join us, I'd tell him, "Who do you think is throwing the ball to Tyree Kill?" But he'll find out when Jim Nance or Dan Patrick or whoever hands. All right. Well, Um, the MVP trophy?
1: Yeah, I kind of have to go in a different direction but if I want to win I'm the I'm feeling bat. you're going to be going um, in
0: a different direction. And I do.
1: Um, and I have bet against him <laughs> in every playoff game so far this season, I think. And actually, no. I picked him against the Saints, I believe. Um, but the dude is amazing. And um, I kind of like what you said about his defense. I think the Bucks defense does have a chance to make some plays. Evan White's playing unbelievable football in the playoffs. Um, so I am going to take the home team for the first time in NFL history. I think I think Tampa Bay wins the game outright. Tom Brady gets his seventh, Super Bowl championship in a thirty-one to twenty-eight affair. Um, I have Brady winning the MVP. I think if the Bucks win, I don't see how I don't see how the Bucks win without Brady winning the MVP. I was thinking about going with one of the wide receivers, yeah. either Godwin or Evans, but kind of like you mentioned there. I mean, somebody's got to throw him the ball. And I just think if the Bucks win, they're just going to give it to him. Because he, he's not going to have a bad game, I don't think, right? He's just kind of too good. And the Chiefs defense doesn't present that many issues um, for a guy like him. And so that leaves the first half. And um, I'm going to take the over in the first half, too. Um maybe like 17, 14, something similar to what you said. Um, but uh, so that's what I'm going with. Go that's box. It.
0: Yeah. Right. So yep. wait, that... Okay, with Brady being the MVP, that would get you the... Okay. So, okay. Uh, going, going I love one. it. I was like, wait a minute, is he going for the tie? <laughs> uh, well... Like I said, I bet against Brady every time and well, not against Washington football team. Uh actually I bet with Brady on that. Yeah. That was a push. You bet against Brady on the line, but we all took the bucks to win that game. Um all right. Well that that wraps up the uh the NFL playoff bet, which we talked about last week, but it'll be a combination of the two losers yeah. throwing some money together yeah. and buying one bottle for the winner. Well, do you have a, uh, yeah, go ahead. What the fuck moment of the week. I can go first if you want. Um, I'm just yeah. gonna take the obvious and, uh, say what the fuck Brian Chase. You know. We got drywall or I mean I haven't been to his house, but with all the home improvement projects going on over there, I'm imagining it's something like yeah. Tom Brady's house. Like is it the palatial you know, the palatial beds, chase estate. Just it's gotta be Yeah, it's gotta be big. Um and if it's not then everything's yeah. got to be pristine inside because yeah. he's constantly working on it, or he just doesn't want a podcast, I don't know. yeah. But uh, or he has twins, I don't know, but, yeah. Mine, but um, that's that's
1: gonna not be really not necessarily Luis. a great one, but I guess mine would be um, we're house hunting right now and it, it just sucks, um. The whole process is terrible um, we have We've been through three this week, and we have two more this week one tomorrow, one Saturday and um, just the what the fuck is the market right now is just so insane. You have to just go in love a house on your first visit through I' like, yeah, I want to buy this three hundred and eighty thousand dollar property that i've been for 20 minutes and that's it it's just it's just not how my mind processes things and it's just um it's crazy. yeah it's 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 (laughs) tough but hopefully you know we got a promising one tomorrow so hopefully uh things are on the up and up but
0: we'll see Good luck. And, um, as we talked about, if those don't yeah. work out, God. there is a budding Christian community down here in Florida. I've blocked off um, 9 to 12 tomorrow. Just is to looking to for do my moving. research
1: on the Ave Maria community of central, <laughs> south-central Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they need
0: which the South Central designation also makes it kind of hard. Um, maybe they need sponsorship, and they I don't know if we want to get in bed with the Catholics. To us for a spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a I fair mean, point. I mean, we would take anybody's money, but maybe we have to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> All right. Well. Um, I don't know if we'll be back next week or. I mean, we got to.
1: Well, I think uh, we're going to start the um,
0: the golf this, season this playoff
1: bet soon. Um, 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 oh, obviously, um, the golf season's already started, but um, we're going to start a weekly oh, golf yeah.
0: pick. Yeah.
1: Uh, deal. At least it's been kicked around. So. Plus, we're getting close to hot stove league. No, I love it. Or spring training, so, spring training time, which that's exciting.
0: Yeah, spring trainings a couple weeks, and um, you know, maybe they'll maybe save your basketball, to talk about again. Yeah, sometime. Yeah, let's, let's end the podcast. CED. Well, I got nothing else.